I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete Berthod, and you know my co-host, Robbie. Robbie, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I would be doing better if Virginia yeah. Tech did not lose to Purdue 24-17 to 17 in what was a very long day for a lot of our fans. <laughs> the ones that made the trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty brutal. Uh, Six-hour six hour ring delay. Yeah. Why don't you give us a cheers? Lift the spirits. Pick us up. We're matching tonight, as you can see here. Me and Rob on the... Yeah. <laughs> we got our skipper. Totally, totally unplanned. Uh, <laughs> right. But... Uh, our home field yeah. skipper shirts on. Nine years of mind meld will do that to you. <laughs> the uh, I'll do a cheers to the fans that stuck around because that is a hell of a wait. Now, I will say a lot of them probably spent a good amount of time at the bar uh, in between uh, that. So that was probably kind of fun. They left, went to the bar, got to watch other college football games and sit around and drink and then go back to the stadium. That's so, great. Um, but <laughs> There's still something to be said for uh, how many people showed up after that six-hour delay and uh, were there to cheer on uh, what was an abysmal offense. So, um, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll get a little jab in there along with some positivity. How's that? Cheers, buddy. Yeah, there's going to be going to be a little bit of talk about that offense as we move through this episode. But I do want to start with just the note that it is New Jersey week. I'm recording in the Garden State right now. It's where I reside. And you'll know that Billy is from New Jersey, went to Paramus Catholic. Pat is from New Jersey. Those guys are psyched to be coming up to the Rutgers game. I'm going to meet them and be tailgating them with them in just a couple days. And I, I can't wait. They're, it's going to be an awesome day, I hope. Game starts at 3.30. So regardless, we're going to get a full tailgate in and have a good time. But I know those guys have put out a Jersey episode maybe yesterday or today that hit the feed and it was with some, some old buddies rehashing old times. And then they're doing some more Jersey content. So if you hate the state of New Jersey, this might not be the week for you, but (laughs) Hey, maybe we'll beat a team from Jersey and that will be for you. So that's what we're hoping for. That's right. That's right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Jersey hatred that goes on out there. Let's, let's, let's put that away for, for this week. Um, or, or maybe bring it out, depending on what your uh, thought process right, is. Right. I don't know what the, the best in terms of the, Yeah, in terms of the uh, the opponent. Uh, keep it directed at the opponent. That's right. And let's 
let's give our fans credit because I think there's going to be 200 to 300 Hokies in our group alone. And wow. so lots of people are making the trip to the great state of New Jersey for the game. It's going to be a blast. Cannot wait. And I'm sure there will be some content from the weekend coming across the Sons of Saturday YouTube and the podcast feed. AP poll, me and Robbie covered it largely in the last episode. I will just tell the people who didn't happen to listen to College Football Monday that there are four ACC teams ranked, but Clemson was not one of them. That is only the second time Clemson has fallen out of the rankings since 2011. If you'll remember, they started off the year with a loss to Georgia two years ago, and then they lost to NC State in double OT, and they fell out for about six weeks the year that Pitt won the ACC title. But other than that, they haven't been out of the poll in about 12 years. So it's they're number 26, technically, by the receiving votes right now. So they're barely out. But uh, but nevertheless, they are out, and Miami is in. The last thing on the AP poll that we covered on Monday was that there are eight Pac-12 teams ranked, which was the most notable thing other than Texas moving to number four. That's right. There are a lot of yeah, a lot of stepchildren there that are about to go to uh, other families and uh, bring along with them um, that eight teams in the uh, in the pack uh, made it and made it in but um, that's just a wild it's so so many it's almost a third of the AP poll yeah. and uh, two, in two weeks we're getting not this weekend and we're gonna talk about the slate a little bit later not a great slate of games this upcoming weekend but the one after that September 23rd it's loaded and there's a couple really good pack 12 games and matchups that weekend depth chart injury update. Well, this is a lengthy one after what we saw last Saturday. During the game, we saw Jennings go down. We saw Lane pull up with the hammy. Keyshawn Burgos went down for a bit. Daquan Wright got nicked up towards the end or somewhere. Cole Beck, Keonta Jenkins, we saw him leave before the rain delay. He did come back. Wells, that was what happened during the game. Before the game, we knew Gallo was already out for a while or the season. And Nazir Peoples just didn't start mysteriously. We didn't know that that was going to happen. And so we were down a safety when we started the game. Wells, Burgos, and Lane are questionable for this week. But when the depth chart hit yesterday, Wells was still listed as QB1. And that created a little bit of a stir on on the social media. But I don't want to read too much into that because he was on the side throwing today at practice. And Drones got a lot of work. Yeah. So TBD. With him... And with Lane, we don't know. Lane's questionable. Were, were you relieved? It sounds, I feel okay about Lane's injury uh, in, in the grand scheme of things in terms of the hamstring and, and uh, as opposed to some of the other things. So that, that made me feel better. In terms of Wells, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to read into anything because it's, who knows, even if he isn't injured, what would have happened this upcoming week? Um, you know, just how crazy things got in that last game and then with drones coming in. So uh, there's no way to even guess what's who's going to be the starter this upcoming weekend. Um, but No, I, I do feel okay about Lane. If he can't come back this week, I do think he'll be back soon. And so it would be great to have him as soon as possible. But <laughs> it seems like he's not done for a while, so that's good. Tisdale was listed as the starter at Mike for this upcoming week, which depending on where you look or how you feel about <laughs> Tisdale, I know French wasn't too shot in the ass about it. No, um, none of them. The linebacker play has been a little weird. We're going to get to Kelly Lawson a little bit later, but 
Tisdale's not a natural Mike, and we knew that. Right. Benji's listed as the, as the starting tight end, not Daquan Wright. That could have something to do with the injury. Felton and Gosnell are the two listed at the wide receiver one spots besides Lane. So they have three wide receivers on there. It's Lane, Still, Felton, and Gosnell, the two other one spots. Peoples is listed as the starter. So cross your fingers. He will be back this week. Jalen Jones played well in his stead, mm-hmm. but we would really like to get Nazir Peoples back. And as far as the SP Plus goes, we have dropped down to number 73. 93rd on offense. And you remember we came into the year at 88. And I think last year we finished right in the 90s or low 90s. So not a whole lot better. And no. we'll bring up some stats to back that up a little bit later, I'm sure. 50th on defense and the special teams is number 21. On the strength of Peter Moore, on the strength of Love, <laughs> on the strength of our return game, maybe in the initial game. So right. at least the special teams look okay. Pick them leaders. We've got four people that are 14 and six. That is Nicholas VDM, Dom Dame Anators, Hokie Bo and K Smith 13, who were in first after last week. But we got four teams now tied at the top at 14 and six. Good job, you guys. I'm doing horrible. Uh, so <laughs> I had another two win week. I I can't talk about it. I got to be about it. Just got to pick it up. I these I don't like the thing about ESPN where. Half of the games are 40-point spreads or 30-point spreads. It makes it extremely difficult. <laughs> well, when we used to do our our picks and track them, we used to have the website and we used to post them on there, you always did a really good job of throwing out all the trash. Yeah. So when yeah. we picked against those, we were picking typically tight games, you know, less than 14-point spread games. And now you have Georgia – you know, minus 43 <laughs> against um, Buffalo, Western Michigan state. And it's just like, it's so it's outrageous. And I don't know why I'm ESPN, they pick 10 games a week. And those are some of the games that they pick. It, it's, I got a, a few tighter ones this week, but the first couple of weeks, it was a lot of garbage. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on game recap. Let's get to it because we got to get to Purdue. Going to finish up the notes that we didn't get to on Monday. In case you weren't aware, Robbie came on College Football Monday with me. He was my guest this week. He was awesome. Had some really good insight into Texas and Alabama. We talked about the Tech game. We talked about a lot of different things. He gave us his conference championship game picks. I gave you mine. It was a lot of fun. But we did cover Purdue a little, but we're going to go over for those people who weren't listening or just need a refresher on how it went last Saturday. We're going to do that. The game recap. Purdue got out to a 17-0 lead after four drives. We were able to fight back. Managed to tie it with the help of the decision by Walters to go for it on fourth down. He really gave us some momentum with that one and some penalties helped us out. 17 all at the half on the backs of our best players, Tootin and Lane. Second half was ugly. Defensive standoff until Purdue was able to take the lead about midway through the fourth quarter. And they won 24 to 17. But as I did last week, I'm going to play you the calls to help recap the game. Hey guys, this is Andy coming to you live from Lane Stadium. Testing out the new cell towers they put in here. Can you hear me? Hello? Man, that was a really rough loss. It was rough all the way around. Rough game. Team played hard. They came back. I'm proud of them for not giving up. Wow. What a uh, what a wild but all familiar ride. You can see this team definitely has them in them. And you can see that that game was winnable. They just should have won that game. 
injuries to our top two receivers. You know, I don't know if we were going to win this game if we can't run the ball. Losing Jennings, Lang going out early, Wells getting hurt. Defense played their ass off. They were just on the field for too long. And the fact that our players just don't even look like they want to be here right now. Our fan base is going to be in a tizzy over this drones versus Wells stuff. I think it's pretty safe to say that Grant Wells ain't it, man. Drones is QB1, that's all I got to say. Can, uh, can you guys let the coaching staff know, maybe like pull Kyron Drones out from the uh, weather delay, I don't know, maybe third quarter next time, fourth quarter? Will not understand why he came in with two minutes left unless Wells just could not move. I think that Grant Wells, just like Jalen Holston, must be like the most Heisman-worthy, amazing practice players that ever existed. Wells, stay looking like he drinks six Red Bulls before the game. Everything good that happens with Wells, it just feels like it's an on accident. It's, it's almost back in the Fuente era, like towards the end, where we're just like, I feel like we're just throwing the ball around, hoping something works, and when we get a first down or a touchdown, it feels like a total accident, and it's luck. He's throwing it to the other team's receivers. I'm all in on not Grant Wells. And I, I, I'm sure he is a great human. He is just not the confident <laughs> quarterback that we need. Scared money don't make money. Not ready to push the panic button yet. I'm not sure if I can confirm my affiliation with the school anymore. I just hope that uh, they can be able to fix the wrongs that happened in this and go into Rutgers and being able to uh, win that one. I was predicting uh, six wins. I'm still sticking to that. Uh, if we do lose to Rutgers, it's going to drop. But I have faith. I think we can get to a bowl still. I'm ready to be hurt again. Football season is back. <laughs> I'm ready to be hurt again. Football season is back. Such a, such a great way to cut that one off. Uh, some of my favorites from that, we got calls from Andrew Berlin and Sarah Berlin. They That was by far the longest call. That was just a short snippet. Andrew talked so fast and had like so many takes. He was the one that said, scared money don't make money. Talking about a confident quarterback. He's all in on not Grant Wells. Yeah. Loved all of it. Everything he had to say was great. I also loved, I'm not ready to push the panic button. And then right after that, it was like, I don't know about my affiliation with this university anymore. <laughs> it was just so great. Oh, man. And the, the, the first call, like, hey, can you hear me yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the game? We could hear you. We could hear you. Oh, that's if awesome. you want to get in on the reaction line next week, call 540-251-2169 during the Rutgers game and leave us a message. You also know this hat, this hat I'm wearing is CMBP, that is Cape May Beach Patrol. That is my ode to Jersey in this in this episode. My sister-in-law has been a lifeguard in Cape May the last two summers. Nice. Story of the game, Robbie. I, I, I'll guess the weather delay was a big story of the day. Longest weather delay in college football history. Yeah. <laughs> only Virginia Tech. <laughs> like, only us. <laughs> like, yeah. Only that could happen to us. The injuries, which are linked, I think, a little bit to the weather. Uh, ineffective offense and run game and then the poor tackling that's kind of a lot of stories but like it was a long day so there's there was a lot of different things that went on yeah i'll narrow it down from there weather delay yes that only affected one of the teams which is uh so and then um the running game was god awful like absolutely friggin' atrocious at this point. It is it, it it the fact that the coaching staff talked about it 
so much in the off season. And then we put, I think, who was it? Somebody on the key play ran and grabbed the stats that it was based on rushing EPA. It was in the zero, zero percentile, meaning it was the worst rushing attack of any team in all of college football in all two weeks of the season yes. across everybody, every single, every single team. So I don't want to hear Jimmy's and Joe's. I don't want to hear anything. I, I don't want to hear it has, there are teams out there with far, far worse talent than Virginia tech. And, uh, we now hold a new record for Virginia tech as what could end up being for the whole season, which I'm really hoping for the worst rushing performance of the whole season. We've got to get through 10 more weeks for that to be possible, but I think we can do it. Yeah. That stat came from that Parker guy who does mm -hmm. stats of wars. I can't remember the exact Twitter handle, but yeah, we were 133rd in EPA per rush. So that's last place in college football through two weeks. Doug Bowman put out a lot of similar stats as well. Tootin and Malachi are averaging 2.3 yards per attempt. That is 151 and 155th of eligible power five backs. So that's like behind every single team's starter. <laughs> yeah. You're hitting the two deep on like probably 30 teams there, uh, which yeah. is incredible. And Ox put out this thing that over the last 14 games, so that stretches back to the Maryland bowl game, we are averaging 103.8 yards per game on the ground. Like just over 100 yards wow. per game over 14 games. Like that is, that is so bad. And I know like pride didn't coach the bowl game, but whatever. Like if you want to toss that one out, it's still like one Oh five or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, it's really bad. And just, we saw what happened in the run game. We can get to that a little bit more yeah. in the O-line. Zero points in the second half in this game. Zero points in the first quarter. It's hard to win when you only score in one quarter of the game. Yeah, they make four of them for a reason, um, the last I checked. But yes, it, that is, it was a uh, inept offense outside of the one quarter where things actually looked kind of good and everything else didn't did not. They looked good, but we also have to keep in mind, not that the penalties were undeserved, but like one of those touchdowns was because of penalties and w the field goal was because Walters made a bonehead decision to go for it on fourth down. That's so true. yes, to our credit, we put the ball in the end zone, but it, it wasn't, we were helped too. And it, it just was a bad day of offense, two of 12 on third down. And the struggles in the run game are especially embarrassing when you consider how much Pry and Bowen talked about the run game in the off season, it's literally the one thing we cannot do at all. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're starting to get into like dangerous kind of laughable territory, which is very, very scary for anybody that does a weekly podcast on you know your football team that we're entering butt fumble jets type territory, right? This is because last year the talk was about the accuracy of our quarterback, which, and that was like the big kind of theme in the off season, which ended up not being the case whatsoever. And then this off season, we decided to be like, you know what? We'll talk about it a little bit, but let's abandon that. Let's go a different direction with our commentary. Let's go with the run. 
now the run is worse than even the accuracy of the quarterback issues. So um, it, it it's it's starting to near on the I can't even be depressed about it. I just have to kind of laugh at myself type situation. So when I was thinking about the run game for a solid 24 to 48 hours after our game ended, I just I kept feeling the same way a lot of our fans feel. It's just something has got to be done because something is just so very wrong. And it's not just the talent. It's got to be scheme related. It's got to be partially bad reads by Grant Wells, partially the injuries that we took on. It is all of it. It is absolutely all of it. And Diablo fan account put out at least one clip of Parker Clements pulling a block and just like running right up the ass of another one of our players and then allowing two guys to get a free shot on Grant Wells. Like there are mistakes being made in assignments. Absolutely. And that harkens back to the talent. It harkens back to having three offensive line coaches in three years. It, yep. it it's, it's not just the talent. It's not just the scheme. It's not just the education of these guys on the O-line. It is all of it. And French, again, put out a number a really good piece. And between Shelton Moss and French, those are like, and I love Marcolini. I love them all, but all these are reasons to get a key play membership because I have to read French before I come on this podcast every week. I feel like it helps my eyes to see if I was right or wrong. And he had a, a, a line or two that I just wanted to read here outside of Chaplin. I don't see a single offensive lineman who has received playing time this season, who has performed well enough to start on an above 500 power five football team. I've been writing these film reviews for 12 seasons and with plenty of poor offensive line performances in that time span, I don't think I have seen one more woeful than Saturdays. Wow. And, and that is not, just talent that is because of how poorly they were trying to execute the scheme it is everything and it's yeah. it's scary and clements or doug bowman put out this clements and chaplin are number 84 and 85 of 88 total power five offensive tackles in pff grading and run blocking so you're talking about run blocking out of 88 fellas there are two tackles are in the bottom five of all those tackles <laughs> Yeah, there was more stats. PFF has Xavier Trapelin ranked like 220th out of 227 qualified offensive linemen. Um, it's and then right tackle Parker Clements is 222nd um, of all eligible uh, linemen from Pro Football Focus. So it's it's bad. We've we've hit on it. It's yeah. it, it, but I think the point being is. I do not um I do not accept the argument that this is a talent issue and I do not accept that it's just a scheme issue to your point. I think it's all of those things. I think with better coaching of players and their assignments and what they're supposed to be doing um that there could be improvement. I think with better scheme there could be some improvement and with better talent. I think it's lacking in all three of those areas and anybody saying that it's just one of them and 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 kind of copping out to we just don't have the players. That's bullshit. It's just bull it's bullshit. Like there yeah. are a lot of really bad offensive lines <laughs> out there in college football and they coach themselves up and they do what they can and they play to their strengths and they put together a semblance of a offense. Uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy that, that it's just the players or 
Um, you could go the other way. It's just the scheme or it's just, you know, not coaching the right assignments or whatever the case may be. I think it's a combination of all of them. And this might make people feel slightly better. I'm not sure. But for one of French's quotes was, I don't see any sign that the offensive line is coached poorly. I just think they're not very good right now was more or less the, <laughs> the paraphrasing of what that was. And so take that for what it is. Hopefully they can improve as the year goes on. They can't really get worse. I mean, right? Like it can't really get worse than what we just saw. 11 yards rushing. No, it, it can't get worse unless they really, it's already happened where Grant Wells has taken some damage, but that's where really, really where it kind of, you know, it's really crossed the line to being almost dangerous for your quarterback because it's, it's not good. Or I said differently, it could also be dangerous for the running backs, right? Like you're, you're yeah. relying on those offensive linemen to take some of the heat off of the defensive linemen coming at you. Um, to get a little bit of push on them so that you don't have a full force freight train coming down your face, you know, and or the linebackers for that matter. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that it needs to improve, if not for nothing else, just the safety of people. I mean, the, the well, running we, backs. And we yeah. saw it, right? There were three sacks. We had a low hit on Grant, which was kind of a dirty-ish play, but mm -hmm. and, and nine tackles for a loss, like, we saw the one helmet to the football that knocked it out of Tootin's hands. He didn't even have a time to do anything before that helmet was on the ball. Like that's yeah. what you're talking about right there. Yeah. So you're right. It, it can always be worse, but I'm hoping there's nowhere to go, but up because that was a tough front that Purdue was bringing, but it's yeah. not the only tough front we're going to face. There's going to be right. more grant Wells, 16 of 33 on the day. He was banged up at the end. That's less than 50% completion if you're keeping track. 26.5 QBR. So we talked about how good his QBR was at, against Old Dominion. We have to mention the fact that this was his second worst QBR as a Hokie and his fourth worst of his starting career. So we had the very, very good, and now we have the very, very bad. His last five dropbacks were incomplete, 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 incomplete uh, sack. That's what it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. So he was hurt at the end. He couldn't plant. Every ball was sailing. And you had said on last episode, that just emphasizes his weakness. You know, yeah. he's already kind of not that great. And then you throw in an ankle injury yeah. and there you have it. It's just going to get worse. Um, and I, I did like the caller. It's Grant Wells <laughs> continues his ha like habit or tendency to drink six Red Bulls before the game <laughs> yeah. and just, I think that's a perfect way to, yeah, you know, it, this is a different aside and I'll be very quick here, but do you remember Trevor Lawrence and the way that he would walk onto the field and handle himself? Mm -hmm. And you were like, holy shit, that guy is a cooler. Like he just came on and you were like, we'll be fine tonight. Like everything didn't get to him. Didn't like that. That is how in my nirvana i want my quarterback to be you like he just walks onto the field and you're just like man this guy doesn't look he's not jump you know jumping all over the place he's not freaking out he's just like kind of cool first plays go if it goes well great if it doesn't then it's kind of like cool like that kind of just medium energy is uh what i'm hoping for but the six red bulls is such a great analogy <laughs> and that's actually a really good segue because when they brought drones into the game at the end i did feel that he seemed calm in the moment. That was a very mm -hmm. difficult situation to come into. We were basically saying, okay, the other guy's hurt. You got to get in there and try to win this game. You got two minutes, yeah. go do it. 
And that's that's an extremely difficult place to be. And I thought he made some nice plays. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the completion percentage isn't, isn't great. You're in desperation mode, but he had the one yeah. play on the sideline where he trucked the guy. But if you go back to the spring game, even, there were some nice throws in there, and he was playing behind our scrub offensive lineman in that one. I mean, he had the bad O-line on his side of the ball. And so at the very least, I felt like he seemed mentally ready to come in the game. Is that how you felt? Yeah, yeah especially ha- having s- sat around for six hours. And then it wasn't even six hours at that point because the the wait was six hours. Plus he was sitting around for the whole game, two thirds of a game or right. you know three fourths of a game um leading up to that so what eight hours eight and a half hours he's been sitting around uh, maybe throwing some balls here and there on the sideline and to come in and um you know just stay calm collected and at least you know try and put some effort into it and and put something together that was somewhat competent uh i thought was probably a win in that type of situation we talked about potentially making the switch on monday two drones at the very least for maybe the the Rutgers game and the Marshall game, just to see what we have in the guy, especially if Wells is dealing with something. And it was interesting because on the TSL pod, Chris Coleman, he kind of went off and it was, and it got a lot of chatter on Twitter. It got chatter on the two, four, seven boards that, you know, CC really, he went after like Bowen and the offense and all this stuff, which he, you know, not one to do when, they always have pry come on that show once a year, but it was refreshing in a way. And he noted that drones didn't have his helmet in his hand at all during the game. And that Mm -hmm. in no way did it seem as if they were going to put him in for a series, do any kind of two quarterback system. So in essence, that was a lie by the staff and call it gamesmanship, call it whatever you want. But there was some dishonesty there if he never had his helmet in his hand, was never planning to go in. And that's the kind of stuff that bothered me about the Fuente era is when there was a little bit of dishonesty that got leaked into these things. And I don't think saying there's going to be a two-quarterback system, and we talked about this before the season even started, Mm -hmm. uh, isn't really fair to Grant Wells either because you're not just saying, hey, you're our guy to the public. You're saying – well, we have two guys and yeah. we maybe we'll play them both. And you're, and it seems as if you were lying about that. And so I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we saw drones early in the ODU game, but he wasn't going to play in this game. Wells was hurt for an entire half before they felt like they had to do something. And so he wasn't going to play. Yeah. That it is. Assuming all of that is accurate, that he never had his helmet, I wasn't, I didn't watch and I didn't make sure, but I'm assuming all that, you know, Chris Coleman knows his, his shit. So assuming all of that is accurate, it reeks of desperation. This is not when like Ohio State had three really good quarterbacks and they were getting through the season and, you know, they were, they were playing gamesmanship on who was going to start. They did it against us um, and who was going to play when they came to Lane Stadium. And, that that is a team that is operating at like a very high level that is trying to you know get all their angles to make it to a playoff win a national championship we are just trying to get our heads out of our ass just to spend if if we're playing the gamesmanship game let's spend that effort and that time on tackling 
um, you know, the, the big donuts out on the field and make sure we got that taken care of before we start playing. Um, it, it reeks of a, a, a sad desperation, quite frankly, <laughs> to this point. And, and if, yeah. that's a good point because it was just like when Fuente didn't want people to come to practice or have a televised spring game. It's like, we need our secrecy. Otherwise we won't be able to run this jet sweep for four yards. Like what, <laughs> what the does it matter, man? Like yeah. if, if Wells is your guy, say he's your guy. You don't have to sugarcoat it just to make your NIL acquisition of Chiron Jones feel better. Like yeah. I thought you weren't afraid of tough conversations. So yeah. I, I, all that being said, let's, do you want to see drones for Rutgers? I, I think, I think most fans are on that page. Are you on that page? Uh, yeah, because I don't think things can get much worse. That was, I, I appreciate all the callers calling in saying they're not going to be sounding the alarm. And, but you and I have been doing this for nine years and you and I have seen some really bad seasons. Not note last year. That was really, really hard to watch. I mean, second if half you, was bad. Yeah. if, if you take out the one quarter of that, and and granted, some of that was gifted to us, and it was even gifted. And we didn't even score a touchdown. We kicked a field goal, yeah. right? When we we got it on the twenty five yard line, um, quite a gift we took advantage of there. So, I mean, that was really atrocious uh, football, just really bad. And I feel bad because it also was due to really tough injury, two really tough injuries um, for guys that are absolute stud wide receivers, and we can tell that they're that good, but. Wells is not going to suddenly in game 13, whatever number it is now, become something different. We have a good idea of what he is. And right now, this team is not good enough on offense for him to lead that to wins. So I don't really give a shit. Put the hokey bird back there at this point, because at least that will be more entertaining. Because it really looks pretty freaking dreadful to the point where like i'm like i haven't had this in nine season where i'm just like i'm gonna turn off the game like this is just this is just crap and, and it's like it's weird because it is only two games into this season however we've been seeing grant wells and this offense be this putrid all of last year and now two games into this year it's so yeah. reminiscent of 2019 in that way because we yeah. saw 2018 I went to the Boston college game. I walked out of the game when we, when Willis threw his interceptions and we lost or whatever. I was like, this is the exact same. It's the exact same as last year. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it took a few more games, but we started hooker and it got better. I don't think drones is going to be hand in hooker. No, I don't think he's going to be QP. I think he's going to be Chiron drones and we don't know what that is, but I want to see it because we know what Grant Wells is. I said it on tales of the terror dome. When I went on with Dan on Sunday night, Four different offensive lines that Grant Wells has played behind. Two at Marshall, now two at Virginia Tech. He's going to have a good throw and a bad throw. He's going to have a good quarter and a bad quarter. And if he's the least bit banged up, you're going to get pure trash. And so let's stop messing around. Let's see what we have in Chiron Drones. If it's a disaster, if it doesn't work, go back to Wells. He'll be healthy in a couple weeks. Go back to him. Or go to Pop Watson. I don't know. But you got to try something else because I'm not sure Grant Wells is going to give us a chance to win with those wide receivers out, especially. Like, Correct. that was why we were playing him at this point is because of throwing. We need 
to use Chiron's athletic ability to break down the defense, to give us a shot in the run game and have a chance to win a lot of these toss-up games. As bad as it was against Purdue, it was a seven-point game. That was still a winnable game, as one of the callers said. And that's what a lot of these games are. Other than FSU, there Mm -hmm. isn't a single game on the schedule we cannot win. It is possible to win because none of the teams are lights out. And so, sorry, I, we got to try something else. And we're both on the same page there. Last thing from French. He said, if we do start drones, make sure to temper your enthusiasm. (laughs) 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 So he already rained on that parade. (laughs) Well, but that's not the point. Like, it's not, that's, that is what, that's why I said on the Monday podcast. I said, it's impossible to have these discussions because you end up just being the guy that wants the backup quarterback. That's not it. The point is, is we're not making a bowl with Wells in the game anyway. So what the fuck do you care? Right. Like what, what is everybody like, what, what are you aspiring to have happen as a coaching staff in this season with Wells behind? Because it's not making a bowl game. It's not going to happen. No, there's no chance it's going to happen. So why not get drones in there and why not start at the very base level, like start the foundation to building the house, right? We're to, forget that. Start digging the hole to start putting in the foundation, right? Because, because that's it's going to be tough do. sledding. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Kyron Jones' first game, first start. It might not be pretty. So you're right. Oh. We may be digging a hole, but Absolutely. you have to start somewhere to figure out what the guy has. You went out and you got him. You paid him some nil money. He's a four star. He's your offensive coordinator's acquisition. Give him a chance. <laughs> Give him a chance. And let's just see. And if he's not good, well, then blame me. I don't care. Like, blame, like the fans want him. That's fine. But like, we've all, we, we've seen it. We know what we're going to get. And this, we say we're two games into the season, but if we don't win this Rutgers game, we're not going to a bowl. I, right. I can, I, that's, I would, I would almost bet just about anything on that. Like we need this win. This is one of the most winnable games left on the schedule. Yes. And it's just, it's just so loud. Like, it's like, well, what if Kyron Jones goes in the game and he's not good? And it's like, did you watch the Purdue game? <laughs> like what, what's going to happen? He's going to go out and and have a QB rating lower than a 22 or, you know, like, is he going to do that, worse if, than incomplete, incomplete, incomplete sack? Like, yeah, like what, what is, what's the fear of us becoming like, did, did am I the only one that watched the game? Because it was dreadful. It, it was, was bad. really bad. Uh, All right. And, you want to do a couple of good things and then defense. We got it. We got to yeah. move to, we got to move. Good things. Tootin's a monster. We know that got to yeah. utilize him, whether it's just giving Kyron drones, two yard passes out of the backfield. Got to use Tootin. I thought Wright stepped up. Hopefully he's healthy. And we talked about the Gosnell brothers stepping up and playing well. Yep. So there's still hope going forward. We have pass catchers that can be dynamic. And we had just three penalties in the game. So I thought I saw that thought that was pretty good. And I think uh, Lane, um, he got injured. I get it. But I'm, I'm really, I am hopeful. And I think that that injury is going to be minimal. So I don't know if we'll see him this week. I hope we see him this week. But um, I, having him... Um, makes me feel much better given what we just lost in our other wide receiver who obviously it, it, that really hurt. What is a young, inexperienced quarterback's best friends in, a, in an offense? It's a running back in Tootin. Yep. It's good tight end play. 
and yeah. Gus Nell and Wright. And it's a guy who can catch a slant and that's Lane. And that's if we can, like, it would be hard for drones to hit Ollie Jennings on the outside with a lot of passes, probably as a new passer, but he needs a slot guy. He needs tight yeah. ends and he needs his running backs. Yeah. Defense linebackers started off the game. Terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Maccabee was gashing us and that went into the second quarter too. So many missed tackles. They seem to over pursue with the line of scrimmage. We went through that on Monday. I, I think our D line is good and they had a bunch of tackles for loss in this one again, but there's just something not quite right between the linebackers and the line. Yes. And there I'm going to plead, um, complete ignorance and rely on the guys like French that know, that know where the defensive line screwing up versus the linebackers making gap fits behind them, because there is a, there's a handoff there that needs to happen in, in fitting your gaps and, and bringing people down and making tackles. So I don't, I don't know which it is. I, I feel as though there's times where the defensive line is doing a really good job and they're really, they're, they're blocking, you know, they're, they're sending the runner where you want him to go. And then there's nobody there to make the tackle. And that's a little bit frustrating. And I think there's other times that defensive ends are over pursuing and they're giving up contain and that's, you know, and they're letting people buy on them. So uh, I think I'm willing to put the, put it on both. Um, but there is no matter any way you cut, you know, you think the wherever the blame may sit, the communication and that dynamic between the defensive line and the linebackers right now is not going well, um, yeah. and it needs to be improved. It, it's kind of crazy because having Ashby and then Dax at middle linebacker, we probably took it for granted a little bit. And now I, if we had Dax on this defense, it, I feel like it would be so much better. Like I yeah. really feel like the run fits would be so much better. But that being said, Lawson ended up having a really good game. He and yeah. Stroman both made 14 tackles. <laughs> Part yeah. of that was because the team as a whole had 82 tackles and <laughs> Purdue only had 44. So let's put that. Put that <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of tackles to be had, but Lawson played well uh, down the stretch of that game. He won ACC linebacker of the week. Two more TFL for APR. Two pass breakups for Jalen Jones, who I said I thought played well. Zero turnovers, though. And I think this is one of those games where we really could have used a turnover, and that was to produce credit. They took care of the football. Ultimately, I thought the defense played fine. They, they, the slow start and the missed tackles were the most egregious things that happened, but they were able to hold that pretty good offense down for a long period of the game, and it's really tough when your O has the ball for less than 22 minutes of possession. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I think the, the def. let's put it this way with a competent offense. We're talking about a, we're talking about a win right now mm-hmm. instead of a loss. And we're probably saying, Hey, the defense didn't play great, but they did what they needed to do and held Purdue to what needed to be held to, to, to get a, get a W there. Would we like to have seen a little bit more? Would we have liked to seen better and more sure tackling? Absolutely. Uh, that is something that I think will improve throughout the season. I think it always we we yeah. we the Virginia Virginia Tech at least in recent memory has had early on tackling problems uh, that you and I have hit on uh, numerous seasons um, uh, over the last four to five years. 
So I think that will improve and hopefully the communication between the DLs and the LBs um, improves or maybe not even some of the unsaid communication, like reading somebody else on which way they're going or their body and knowing where you have to be. So, um, but I, I think if we have a, a better offense, then we're probably talking about a defense that did okay this yeah. week. Not great, but okay. Special teams. Love made a 40-yarder. And that was, I think it was right down the middle, if I ever call. And so that's nice to see. And Peter Moore was awesome. I mean, he yeah. boomed a bunch of punts. I think he had four that went over 50 yards. So he is back to being weapon status. And that could prove extremely valuable. We, <laughs> do you remember last time we played Rutgers? I know you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, old punt, punt fest. Was yeah. It, 20, 22 punts or something like that in that game. <laughs> so Peter Moore could be very key player in this upcoming game. He might be MVP this weekend. He really might be. <laughs> My takeaways from this game were just that the injuries are mounting and that could be problematic. We weren't super deep to begin with, as we all know. And as we said before, these next two games, Rutgers and Marshall, both on the road, they're going to define the limits of this season. Will we be able to get six wins? Will we, will be, will we be able to even exceed the three we had last year? I, I like, we were counting on at least one of these games being a W. And yes. so we we need that because we got Pitt and FSU coming up. Did you have any other takeaways? I We talked about just about everything, but. We've seen Thomas run and we've seen Tootin run. And for them to have the type of yardage numbers that they have is mind boggling. Like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't make, my wife asked me, She's like, well, how shitty are your running backs? And I'm like, I don't think they are. I no. like, I'm I, I, so it's, you know, that, that is, um, it's kind of, it's kind of shocking. It really, really is. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor before we get to the beer break and Rutgers. The 2D Pokies under the influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. You guys know Roback. And according to the sales, you guys love Roback. We really appreciate you logging on and using our promo code, but they are a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. They released the Commonwealth polo. There are still some left. So if you want that white polo with the maroon Virginias all over, it, it's beautiful. Billy said they were everywhere this past weekend in Blacksburg. You can use our promo code 2DVT and get 20% off your first order. They have hoodies, they have tees, quarter zips, women's, Everything. Tons of great active wear on Roback.com. So use our promo code. Get that 20% off. Roback. Crave activity. One more time. Promo code 2DVT. All one word. All caps. Get that Commonwealth before they sell out. Beer break. Do you have anything you're drinking over there tonight? Green tea. Sticking Green tea. with it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm flushing the system from all the non-toxins I ingest. Uh, See if I can the... get this in the, in the light. I am drinking... Ooh. Tonewood. This is my first Oktoberfest of the oh, season. Says it's, it's Beer Garten. Yeah. Beer Garten. Mm. It's a Marzen lager. Six percent alcohol by volume. As most Marzins come in right around that high five, yep. low sixes. It's the what that is, it's basically an Oktoberfest, but they brewed it over, back in the day, brewed it over the summer and the way it fermented, they ended up calling it a Marzen lager. Comes out looking like this, very dark, coppery color. It's delicious. I love a good October. They have a good amount of alcohol, but they still drink light. And it's probably what I'm going to be sipping on this weekend at the tailgate. So 
the Tonewood, which is a Jersey brewery, had to do it. Beer Garden Marzen, I think is what it's called. Yeah, Beer Garden Marzen. I feel like for the podcast 10-year anniversary, you're going to have to go at the end of September over to uh, over to Germany. I, th- you know, I think that that might have to, that's a decade of the podcast. You got to reward yourself. And it's possible. And it's been thought about. And I didn't actually think about the 10-year anniversary thing, but it makes a lot of sense. We had a German exchange student stay with us last year, all through the fall. So during football season, I had a German exchange student I don't normally like to talk about a ton of personal stuff on the podcast, but uh, she was great. She went to high school in New Jersey. We live right near the high school here. She had an awesome time, but we have an open invitation to go to Germany and stay with her and her family when me and my wife go over there for you know whatever visit we decide to do. So we may have to coordinate it for next Oktoberfest. There we go. <laughs> Rutgers, 9-16 at 3.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network. You know I'm going. I cannot wait. I love 3.30 games. Love them. It's it's the perfect time. The nooner last week. Well, thank God it was a nooner. Otherwise, we never would have got the game in, I suppose. Correct. But maybe that would have been better. That, that might have been better. <laughs> um, yeah, agreed. Um, but no, 3.30 is the ideal time. If you start getting into those 7 o'clock games, um, you, then it's just it's too much time. Too much drinking time for people. You end up being gassed. That's when you don't remember all the game. You got to go back, watch film the next day. You're like, ugh. You really got to be careful about the start time of your drinking on those 8 p.m. games. But it'll be a lot of fun rooting for good weather. Preseason, Rutgers was number 79th in Athlon, and the projection was 5-7 and 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 3-6 in the Big Ten, basically finishing last or second to last in the Big Ten East. Their best unit, I think, is their defensive line. And that was also something that Athlon agreed with. In the FPI, currently, they are 54th. And in the Massey composite, they are 66th. That is a composite of 60 or so rankings. And um, you know how the Massey composite works. At least the the real nerds do. We're number 83. So Rutgers at 66, us down at 83 after the loss to Purdue. They're coached by Greg Schiano. He is back for a second stint. 12 and well, he's now 14 and 22 in his, in his three years since he's been back. And he won just one big 10 game last year out of nine games. And they really wow. weren't good. I think they got shut out against Maryland in the finale. They went zero and five down the stretch. They were, they were a bad football team last year, but I, yeah. I think they're, they seem slightly improved. What do you I think? I would agree. I would agree with that. I think, when we did our preview, let's uh, hit the offense, defense, offense. Let's hit the good side of the ball first. And I say good side, meaning their good side. We're going to hit their defense. Okay. Uh, we previewed them for the season, and we thought that this was going to be a pretty decent defense. They were returning seven projected starters on um, defense, um, and they had an intact coaching staff. Um, they've had two good games um, of really good defense, uh, holding – uh, a Northwestern team uh, to seven points, which um, I don't know if that's really all that impressive, um, but it's it's decent enough. Big thing for them is um, their their rush defense is stellar. So they held Temple to 68 yards on the ground, um, gave up 230 receiving, and it was a similar story in the Northwestern game. They allowed 12 
uh, rushing yards uh, to oh. Northwestern, but 189 yards passing. But that 12 number may seem familiar with uh, if you're a Virginia yeah. fan right now. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, they have a good defense. Um, they got a good defensive back, uh, Shaquan Loyal, who just had um, a uh, interception in this past game. They had uh, their linebacker, Tyreen Powell, is good. He had nine tackles last week. Um, another good linebacker, Deion Jennings. He had three pass breakups, and um, and then um, so I would say they have a pretty solid defense, in particular stopping the run a little bit more susceptible to the pass. Yeah, their front seven is very good. The DL has three starters back, and even some other guys that have stepped up and are playing well. They had guys that missed the year last year because of ACLs, who are now back in the linebacking core and whatnot. Front seven's really stout. There is some weakness in the back end, but that yard per carry number they're putting up right now is 1.7 allowed, and that's six nationally. Now it's Temple and it's Northwestern, and I want it. We have to caveat that those are not good off. They're not good teams, but they are particularly not good offenses. And yeah. they, but they have done what you should do against bad offenses, and so. We are not a good offense. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, that sounds awfully familiar. There's, these three things have something in common. What is it? Bad offenses. Uh, so. And you were saying the, about the pass D, and I, I would agree. Like That's probably their back end is probably the weaker part, but yes. they're ninth in the country in pass efficiency. Mm-hmm. It's two games. This is a small sample size. It's a good defense. At the top end, if they hit their ceiling of a defense, they can be a top five defense in the Big Ten. That's how good... I think this team is. It's it's pretty solid. They lack depth, just like we do, but it's early in the year. I think they've stayed reasonably healthy. Going in our favor, 10 tackles for loss for them through two games. We have 17. Yep. And for a D-line that's that good, I would have expected them to have a few more. They aren't letting people get past the line, but they're not exactly coming over the line and taking people down behind the line of scrimmage. So that's one thing that we can at least look at favorably. I'm not going to look too much into their FPI defensive rating. It's number 13 in the country. They're not the 13th best team in the country like that. Just, just throw that out. Uh, They're good on defense. Offensively, they are not good. They, they (laughs) played okay. They were in a, they were in a fight with temple up until that fourth quarter. And then they, they kind of blew it open, but their offense last year was awful, just like 124th in points per game, 130th in total offense versus FBS, 95th in FP plus after spring is where they were coming in. And they're currently, even this year, against those two teams, they're 105th in yards per play. And so they're not lighting it up. They're, they've put together some drives in these two games, pitter-patting, dinking and dunking down the field but it's not a big explosive offense. And I think it starts because their quarterback who's been there a while and has a decent amount of playing time. He's not that great. No, he is not. Uh, so Gavin Wimsad, he, so he went 10 for 21 with uh, just under 200 yards and a passing uh, touchdown against temple on the year. He's a shy over 500 um, completion percentage. He's 27 for 50. He's got 361 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, so uh, he is not great. Um, he can't run, and right? Like he, he can't, can't run. No, he yeah. can't. Um, I think he can so, run. 
a little bit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And but my point being is in the running game, they have this guy, Kyle. I think it's did you pick it? I'm going to go with Monaghy as Ma- his last name. Manat- Monaghy? Sure. <laughs> Mr. Monaghy? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, so he had a great game against Temple with 165 yards, but he um, he did almost you know very, very little, if almost nothing, in the game prior to that against Northwestern. So overall, the, the offense is just not very dynamic. They have maybe two to three playmakers in total. And Gavin is certainly not, um, is not one of them. Uh, and that is just led to a kind of lucky offense in the sense that this game against Temple, they, there was a good shot that they could have lost that until they got to the fourth quarter and they rattled off three quick touchdowns. And as much as I like the Temple head coach, and I think they could be good eventually, that team is bad. Like that is not a good Temple team. And Gavin, I mean, we say we start drones. Mm -hmm. He might be the better quarterback in this matchup. This kid completed 45% of his passes last year. I know people can get better and his QBR through two games. It's fine. It's, it's actually decent. It's like 75 through two games. That's, that's pretty good. And that is reflective of his running ability more so than his passing ability. So the, the, the scrambling scares me. They got three senior wide receivers that are useful, but none of them are elite. And just two starters came back on that O-line. That O-line has, I don't think any O-line has as many problems as we do right now, but it's close. It's, it's not a very good offensive line. And so our D-line has an advantage. Our corners will have an advantage. If our linebackers can come to play and make sure Wimsat doesn't run all over the place, we we should be able to shut this offense down. And they're also they're going to have fresh running backs. So I think they ran five guys, uh, five running backs in that Temple game. Yeah. Um, so they um, they also they had three separate running backs. I think that rushed for touchdowns in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they had um, Joshuan uh, Benjamin. He had 25 carries for 82 yards. He, he's they they're going to be fresh because I think they don't mind rotating some of their um, their running backs in. So I'm I'm not that worried at all about the their pass attack. I'm very worried about his mobility and um, them being able to rush it on it, especially you know get, given what we've seen in the first two games from Virginia Tech. Yeah, I want Peoples to be healthy for this game. I want Keonta Jenkins to be fully healthy because I want basically linebacker play out of the safeties and from and from our star linebacker and, and Keonta Jenkins because we need to sell out against this run. Shut down this run. Put the wide receivers in man coverage. I'm not worried about them. They, they might hit a pass here or there, but we need to stop the run. If we stop the run, Wimsat's not going to be able to score that many points. This game is going to be a race to 13. <laughs> a race to 16. Like it is the over under is 39 and a half, which is really low. It's going to be lower than that. <laughs> Would we said that. Yeah. We, yeah. It's so sad because we said the Purdue game, it was going to be like, you know, whoever gets to 24 points is probably going to win. This is going to be lower than that, yeah. which is uh, 
pretty outstanding and and not really. I was hoping we'd get to 30 in the Purdue game because of their pass defense. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it did not happen. Um, but yes, I would agree that this is going to be, in my estimation, a low-scoring affair uh, of a lot of um, mediocre and sometimes incompetent offenses. Do the math on this for me. Rutgers right now is seven-point favorites. The over-under is 39 and a half. So what does that put, say it comes out to that, what's the final score there? That's 20, 23, 16. Yeah, so 39 right, so yeah. minus 2 gets you to 32, so then 16. So it would be like, yeah, like a, yeah, it's like a 19 to 13 game. Yeah, something, <laughs> something like that. So it's, or like, it's what, something what is, along as a 40 to But like seven-point dogs? I, I yeah. know we didn't look good last week, but damn. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, t- yeah, it's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's it's bad, man. Like how many times yeah. has Rutgers even been favored over the last two or three seasons since Shiano got there? It can't be many. No, it's it can't be many. But here you go. I mean, now look what, look what we've done. The so. disrespect is real. And that's fine because we we deserve to be disrespected a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully yeah, we got they, bulletin board material here. Yeah, put that fire in your belly, man. Seven point dogs to Rutgers. Go up there, shut down the run, squeak out the ugliest, grossest win. I'll be there cheering you on every step of the way. Twenty punts each doesn't matter. We we we, yeah. we got to get Peter in Moore's a, a weapon, man. That's our offense. <laughs> yeah, in a. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's going to be a monster twenty-three to sixteen game, is what we're we're shaping up to see here. Yeah. All right, let's get to the picks. The Two D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our very own players. Yes, you can make plays with, well, not in the Alley Jennings anymore. Stephen Gosnell. How about let's mm-hmm. go with Jalen Lane if he's healthy, Bishal Tootin, and hopefully Kyron Drones at quarterback. So use code memory lane. That's memory lane. All one word on the prize picks app. You will get a deposit match up to $100. That's memory lane prize picks daily fantasy made easy. I got five games here, Robbie. These are from the ESPN picks. First one K state at Mizzou. And this is a nice tight spread for us. Mizzou plus five and a half, five and a half point dogs at home. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this is your Big dogs. Twelve championship game pick. Uh, yeah, I'm going K State. I'm just thinking about the home. So you're talking about maybe a point for being at home. So uh, you know, it's really a six and a half point spread, something like that. I'm going with K State. Maybe two and a half, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'll I go. Don't know. K- Mizzou, Mizzou's fan base is, is some. I don't know if it's really that much of a home I, advantage. Mizzou is, <laughs> yeah, and and you know they they got good fans. It's just. And they every year, like they almost beat Georgia last year. Like every, yeah. you never know what you're gonna get out of Mizzou. And this yeah. line, it does stink a little bit. But K State, without Deuce Vaughn, they've struggled to run the ball. I still think they can win by six, though. I'm taking yeah. K State. LSU at Mississippi State, nine and a half point home dogs in this one are the Bulldogs. I'll go first this time. Yeah. I like Mississippi State for some reason. LSU, they didn't look great against Florida State at the end. They're they're a good team, but I, I I feel like they overachieved last year. I think Mississippi State can cut into that nine and a half. I'm gonna go with LSU and um, 
see. I think Brian Kelly can write the ship a little bit, uh, but we will find out. So I'm going to go LSU. Penn State at Illinois. I think last year, well, they were just talking about how the really long overtime game with Walters yes. and Pry, both the defensive guys. Well, that's happening again this week. We got 14 and a half points. Illinois, another home dog. They have not played well so far this year. Brett Bielema had them going last year, but they lost the Brown brothers, one of which is on the Eagles now, Sidney Brown. And I'm going to ride the Penn State train. The hook is killing me. I know. That, and, that and, hook is brutal. You know what? I'm going with Illinois. I'm going with Illinois. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I just wanted you to go on the other side. I'm sticking with Penn State. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but I don't – I that 14 and a half is such a – shitty spread uh that that's really brutal this is great actually this reminded me of this city brown you know he's in the defensive backfield for the eagles i was at the phillies game last night this guy is wearing a 26 uh, green jersey and that was miles sanders last year who's now with the panthers and he had taped over the nameplate and it said edmonds because we have we have Terrell on the Eagles now, so I was like, yeah. I like your Terrell Edmonds jersey. That's awesome. I love it. That's, That's dedication great. right there. Florida yeah. State at BC next game. BC plus twenty seven and a half. Another home dog. Big home dog. Yeah, this is this is the ESPN spreads we've been. I don't like this at all. We always uh, talk know. about it's... Chestnut Hill. Florida State's been riding high. Sleepy. Sleepy. But I mean, I'm this should be fifty to ten. Like it really um, should be. BC's or terrible. Worse. I'm, going, I'm going with Florida State. BC's horrible. They almost yeah. lost to Holy Cross last week. They lost to NIU. NIU just lost to an FCS team in Southern Illinois last week. Yeah. So right off beating BC, they lost to FCS. I'm taking it, FSU to cover. I can't take BC and lose the pick and yeah. feel good about myself. <laughs> yes. You'll, you'll take... FSU having a sleepy a sleepy game in Chestnut Hill before you'll take BC and then just have egg on Feel your like face. an idiot, yeah. Yeah. BYU at Arkansas. This is the last game we'll pick. Arkansas, 10.5-point favorites at home. We got a culture clash in this one again. We talked about Cal Auburn being oh, a culture goodness. clash. <laughs> Not even close to this. So this is as far apart as you possibly could get. It, I mean, just forget alcohol intake, just Mountain Dew intake between these two fan bases. <laughs> the discrepancy is like miles apart. Uh, very true. Very true. What do you like? What side do you like here? I like, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go with BYU here. Uh, now what? I'm going to stick with Arkansas. I'm going to go with the Mountain Dew home team. Uh, so uh, let's do that. This is a really tough one because I like to take BYU in a lot of these spots, but the last two years, since they lost Algier and Zach Wilson and they were so dominant for that one year, they haven't quite been the same. Yeah. But Arkansas is also a Jekyll and Hyde team. Like, I never yes. know what I'm going to get out of them. So I'll, I'll take BYU. I'll take that hook. I like that. And I'll, I'll pick the Cougars. I feel like when some of the BYU fan or like players, they're going to see some Arkansas fans like roasting a pig up in the stands or something like that. And it's just going to totally like, <laughs> it's going to be the culture shock is going to be too great. So I will say this about BYU though. And you know this, they play the weirdest schedules every year. Okay. They go all over the freaking country and that will get a little bit better with the big 12 only because at yep. least they'll be going to the same places more yes. often than not. But man, they travel all over the place. They're used to it. All those guys 
are used to going somewhere far away for their mission. <laughs> yeah, so, they're on their mission. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they're ready to go to Arkansas and get their get players a can do two things at once. They can go put on the suit and tie and go walk around, and then they can play the game. So it's perfect. All right, that's going to do it for the pod. Big game in New Jersey this weekend. I think our defense is significantly better than both defenses Rutgers has seen so far. And I think I'm not saying we're going to shut them out because that's just really hard to do. And our defense hasn't been tackling very well, but we're going to keep it low against them. And if you can keep it low, can Chiron or Grant get us to 14, get us to 16, get us to 17, because that might be enough to win this game. I think it's yeah. everything that you said is just absolutely right. And I come back to what the caller said. It just depends on how many accidents we have, AKA first downs and touchdowns um, where we're all like, Oh man, whoops. Yeah. We scored. So, uh, but I think it all, I think this game, I think we'll be able to put something together in offense. I don't know how many points it's going to be 21 maybe, but I do think the defense tightens up a little bit better this year or this game with the tackling and holds Rutgers running game relatively in check. We need to have a day on defense. And if we're being honest, we need a special teams miracle, whether it's a block kick or Holloway taking one to the house like that. This game is going to be one on like three to four plays. Like that's what this game's going to be won on. So hopefully we're on, on the winning side. I feel okay about it. I actually think that we're going to go up there and we're going to get a hard nosed win. I think the team's going to rally around what happened last Saturday, just in being such a weird day, but we shall see. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Sonsofsaturday.com has all of our pods. You can check everything out. They got a lot of good articles up there too. You guys need to be, you guys need to be hitting up sonsofsaturday.com. The site's had a really good month. Sam is doing an awesome job with that. And our numbers have been really good. So we appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a review on Spotify if you're listening on there. We've been getting a lot more Spotify listeners lately. Maybe our maybe our demographics are going down in age from our link up with the Suns. I don't know. Maybe it's possible, but hey, I, we're all, we're here for it. We love it. Yeah, we're we're two young guys, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sprightly forty year old. Uh, it's like, like uh, in Wedding Crashers. You're not. We're not that young. <laughs> we're not that young. That that is absolutely right. And until next time, when hopefully we're celebrating a big win in the Dirty Jersey. Go Hokies.